0: Good, undefeated streaks, even it's against Bristol City and I didn't realize it was happening, must come to an end here on the Owls Cast Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Pedernostro. We are back to basics on the podcast this week, recapping a disappointing Wednesday loss. So I have gone back to basics with my beer. The calendar is about to turn over to October. It is good fall beer season. This good Marzan season, better known as Oktoberfest. And I'm drinking one of my favorites, the Spaten Oktoberfest. Just a lovely, clean German fall beer. Also doing some clean living on the podcast in New Jersey. It's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking?
1: Sadly, again, I'm on the water. <laughs> the council pop. I'll, I'll brand it the council pop. Mm. Uh, I won't always do this, guys. It's not going to be boring forever. I will have low-calorie beers for the next few episodes, I'm sure. I just wasn't very good today.
0: Drinking, hopefully, something with a little bit of bite, because he usually brings a little bit of bite to our podcast. In his closet in Queens, it's James Allen. James, what are you drinking?
2: Hey, Jeff. Uh, I think you and me are of the, of the same mind. I'm in a big German beer streak at the moment. Um so, I'm not on a Mars and I'm on a Kolsch. Mm. Um, but this one's from Devil's Brewing Company. So, it's in honor of uh, our absent friend Justin um, up in Cape Cod, Cape Cod Brewery. Apparently, they specialize in a wide range of European inspired ales. It's the first one I found, but I'm uh, thinking of trying to drink my way around their range in the next few weeks. So, uh, yeah, it's very nice. It's only um, 4%. So, I guess it's a, it's not necessarily got bite yet, but let's see where we go.
0: There might be plenty of bite in our Bristol City review. We'll also cover some Wednesday news as they bring in another striker who may or may not be actually be a striker. It was definitely a right back at one point. We'll preview QPR and we'll see if there's any other business to be had on episode 107. But we'll start with 90 minutes and 90 seconds. Bristol City 2, Sheffield Wednesday nil. Folks, fire up the Wayback Machine. Pour yourself a stiff drink. Think back to the heady halcyon days of our youth, say July 2020. If you watched a Wednesday match from that long ago, far off time period, you probably know where this review is going. Wednesday started off pretty well, pressing Bristol City, creating some good chances, more or less dominating the midfield. But again, if your weary memory doesn't remember how those games in July 2020 went, may have lacked some cutting edge in the final third. Also, a fun feature of those games is after the halftime break, Bristol City came out and made some adjustments. Wednesday did not. Bristol City began to dominate in the midfield. Wednesday began to drop deeper. Bristol City scored a, quite frankly, baffling goal as our back line didn't really seem to mark anyone. They added the perfunctory second Wednesday really didn't seem like a team that was chasing the game at any point in time. I did say, I think coming into the season that I wanted two points from the first three matches. We got four. Can I really complain? I know one man that can complain. James Allen, your talking point is one bad swallow doesn't make a summer.
2: Yeah. I'm not going to complain, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Um, it's one bad half of football in, what, six halves of uh, championship football so far. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there, there were a lot of familiar themes to what we've seen from this squad in the past, but it's probably a timely reminder that we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. We are still on minus eight points and <laughs> we've still got, you know, a a long way to go with this project. Um, but I actually thought the first half was really encouraging. You know, if you consider the calibre and the quality of Bristol City's team, um... The way that Wednesday took the game to them, the fight and the appetite that we were showing in midfield in the first half was was great. There was some, you know, good chances created. You know, agree we didn't take them, but since when have Wednesday taken chances? And since when have we had the uh, the front line to do so? Um, second half obviously was disappointing, but I guess I just want to kind of put it in perspective before we get too downbeat on it. Bristol City are a good side. They've made some shrewd signings. You know, Chris Martin was a real handful, particularly in the second half until he went off. Um, and I think it was his movement, frankly, that you know really did the most to create that first goal. Um, and yeah, I mean, lessons learned it probably puts a reality check on everyone who's maybe getting a little bit ahead of themselves in our fight for survival this year as opposed to anything else
0: in our freaky Friday or freaky Wednesday, Patty might be the downer this week because Patty, yours is painfully familiar,
1: yeah, I, th- I think you've both alluded to it, right? And <clears throat> I'll, I'll go into the good points first. So the first half was, again, I use that word enjoying uh, again in the WhatsApp group. I enjoyed the first half again. It was good to see. It's good football. Everyone was up for it. Luongo's running around the midfield, making sliding tackles like he's like a, a, a first grader in like a, a playground. He's is such for good fun to watch. And I think he actually did much more up the field uh, this this week as well. As well as breaking up the play, like that. Um, I thought Harris and Izzy Brown combined well a couple of times. Um, Bannon did a few good through balls, uh, aiming for Kachunga a couple of times. I didn't, I didn't particularly like the pairing of Kachunga and Windass up front. Uh, I think that was something that was a little disappointing. I think they both play a similar game, and a couple of times they found themselves in the same spots um, with. Pretty poor communication uh, and again we just didn't have a target like at least Jordan Rhodes stays in a similar kind of position you know where he's going to be whereas quite a lot of times the midfield looked up and you had Kachunga on one side of the flank and Windass deep and nowhere to aim for so the the, the strategy of signing <laughs> non-centre forwards and number 10s doesn't seem to be working out if we, if we play them both at the same time um but, yes, like I said, very enjoyable first half. Um, and I thought we were going to win that. And I thought we were best than Bristol by a long shot. And we just needed to continue in that same vein. But like James says, who would thunk it? People change tactics. <laughs> and it's like every time this happens, Wednesday get caught out and don't are unable to react to it. It's like, oh, they've stepped up their game. Oh, they've brought Chris Martin a little bit deeper to get the ball. And it's like, whoa, what do we do now? It's it's unbelievable how are they done this. And then all our changes were exactly the same. So we're bringing reach on, putting him in the same spot. I think we brought... Um, oh, mine's got a moment. But every single substitution did nothing, was my main point. And what I also understand from Wednesday's point of view as well, if, if the opposition start playing better... Why does that mean we have to stop our game plan? The, the 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 high press disappeared, the the kind of long ball over the top disappeared. It was like as soon as they started playing well, we thought, oh well, let's give up. What what, what we've been trying for? It was very very frustrating to watch. It was very familiar to like say July uh, end of last season. Why we can't play a full half football um, consistently is a constant. Uh, Frustration for me. I thought we might have cracked it against Watford when we saw that game out. Uh, sadly, it really took ugly head again. Uh, a few of the familiarities showed up too in the shape of uh, Tom Lees and Van Aken looking around at each other going, who's picking up that guy? Uh, the sec- the first goal for Bristol that thought was very frustrating. Um, I think it was like Tom Lees watched the goal scorer run past him put it in the back of the net and then looked around like 360 degrees around his defense going, well, who's picking him up? They're like, you are. You're the last line of defense. Why are you? Bl- that's, that's why it, his leadership qualities were never that good because he always blamed everybody else. He, he looked around like, who's picking him up? And you're picking up, Tom. You should be getting that guy. I mean, I think and-
0: even in the, in the first half, they were, Bristol City looked dangerous getting past the back line, but Iorfa was there to get back and clean it up for Van Aken and, and Lees, who aren't the paceiest, And, you know, Harris and Palmer were pushing a fair bit. But, you know, Iorpha can't... It wasn't even Iorpha. I don't know. Not Iorpha's side of the center-back three. I don't know what he expected. He can't, he can't cross over to pick up for Van Aken getting beaten by three steps. And then Lees was just, you know, caught sort of ball-watching. And there you go.
2: Yeah dynamic that maybe is a little different from last season although the same vulnerabilities raise their head when it comes to individual players is it, the one theme that's I think been true of our first three matches is we've generally got a better handle on midfield right our our triangle with Luongo kind of playing the anchor and Izzy Brown breaking forward setting up play um, allowing Bannon to be a little bit more effective in the liberal role has has worked you know by and large it's allowed us to be more creative a little bit more threatening as you said paddy the play is is frankly better to watch because we move the ball quicker we're kind of we're quicker in transition and the one thing that Bristol city did to us in the second half is they just completely bypassed our midfield we we could not get the ball which meant that i don't think we created a chance a goal scoring chance in the second half full stop um you know obviously brown went off after a while and so on but that was the really interesting dynamic that they shut down our engine, which has probably been the difference maker for Wednesday so far this season. And as soon as that happened, it exposed a lot of individuals to honoring players and to the positional mistakes that we've seen before. Um Definitely true for Van Arken. Um, You know, he's looked reasonably solid when he's been protected by a unit, but when they got at him, you know, that kind of positional sense and his ability to get dragged out easily really kind of came to the fore. So again, I'm, I'm not sure if it's Wednesday's deficiency or Bristol City's kind of benefit, their tactical change. But Jeff, I'd definitely buy into your argument that, hey, isn't it a surprise that they changed tactics and we didn't do anything?
0: I do want to quibble a little bit with... I do think it's a good midfield. My talking point is maybe it isn't the strikers' fault. Wednesday have scored four goals in five games, and half of those goals in two of those games were against lower league side opposition. And it's easy to look at a, a strike force of Jordan Rhodes, Elias Kachunga, uh, not Dean Windass, Josh Windass. You know, I've No, Dean Windass got on the end of some of these balls at this point. Uh, and, and kind of be like, okay, look at their goal-scoring record for the last three seasons and be like, well, they don't have the quality striker up front that's going to be able to do anything with service, but I wonder where the service is coming from in this new setup. I've been very impressed with Izzy Brown, but I think Luongo is like the box-to-box metronomic pivot. He can do a little bit of everything, but you have him in a deeper-lying role. So what the fuck is Bannon doing dropping back to get the ball? Because he insists on everything running through him from basically the Wednesday penalty box to midfield. We know Bannon is capable of putting in those long diagonal passes, but... He's also very effective, especially in the first half, when he was pushing forward and, and giving through balls and linking up with Brown. Because it's like getting the ball to Brown and bringing the wing backs in. And the key is going to be getting it from Brown to the strikers at their feet, I think, more than than crossing, especially when Harris and Palmer and uh, Odebajo or Iguide or, or Penny or whoever's in those roles is going to have defensive responsibilities as well. Like, yes, Banning can freelance more, but I don't think that's... A, benefit to the squad and the formation the way it's constructed right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of what I was meaning by it bearing individual mistakes because the same as positional mistakes in the centre-backs, you know, Bannon's Achilles heel is is exactly what you just described. He drops too deep in search of the ball, he becomes ineffective and he actually stretches the midfield unit to the point where it, it creates space for the opposition. Um, and we definitely saw that in the second I mean, he's, he's not a good
0: that. defender. He's he fits better in a midfield four where you where he can play a little deeper if he has wingers playing closer to him, so he can do like little one twos with like reach or you know Ross Wallace back in the day where he can kind of roll the ball out and then run. He doesn't really have that. Uh, you know Harris tends to especially push forward or likes to get the ball by the the byline and run. So it just it does as you said it creates a bunch of gaps that can be exploited and also I think is a detriment to just sort of the general. Possession-based football and uh, passing efficiency—they just it they never they never really got anything to come off against Bristol City. And I'm not saying the Strike Force is full of you know 15-goal a year championship strikers here because it's not. But I just don't think we're creating enough opportunities generally. I don't. You know, I know. I don't know if we still had Stephen Fletcher, if this would be working as well as it was.
2: If some butts were pots and pans, Jeff. Um, yeah, I mean, look, th- th- it's, it's a work in progress. The squad is a work in progress. We've definitely still got gaps to fill. Um, but, you know, I do take the positive about the fact that we, we did create those chances in the first half. And, you know, with better finishing, we could have been two up by half time. And then we're looking at a very different game, not similar to, you know, some of the games elsewise in the season. So, yeah, um, frustrating, but... I, It all depends on how we react, I think, against QPR. That's much more more important to me now than what happened in the second half.
0: Well, We'll get to QPR in a minute, but first we'll take a break. We come back, we'll go through the Wednesday news. Now it's time for Wednesday news. We'll start with Wednesday's newest striker edition that may or may not be an actual striker. They've gotten Callum Peterson from Cardiff. He started out as a right back. He might be an attacking midfielder. Fellows, what are our thoughts?
1: He's uh, a unit, isn't it? I'll That's the first uh, impression. He's very square. Of him. He's a chunky guy, uh, but also quite big. Um, <clears throat> my I mean, it gives a bit of physicality up front, right? And uh, from the first something that they don't have, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a bit of cheeky, chappy too, which always goes down well with the fans. He, uh, he seems to be well liked by the Cardiff fans, and they're quite upset that they let him go for um, what 500 grand, which seems to be the rumored price. Mm-hmm. Um, again, though, it's it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a gamble, isn't it? Is it we're, we're buying these people that are either uh, not. Uh, number nines or um, tend to play either on the wing or in the attacking midfield role. Patterson's played all over the pitch. When I spoke to my Scottish friend today, uh, he didn't even know he was a striker. He said he's mainly played at right back or was in midfield for Scotland. Um, oh, right so back
0: is Liam Palmer's now there.
1: Yeah, so he's competing with Liam Palmer for right back as Scotland. Um, and also
0: striking for us. That's great.
1: Yeah. Um, so he's, he's a bit of a weird player, isn't he? But he does look like he likes to go. So he's scored quite a few for Cardiff, um, like Celebration too, I think it'd be interesting to see what he can do if he's just given one role, which is to play that number nine role, um, which it seems like Monk's hired him for. So I'm I'm quite positive on it. I think it seems like he's got a good attitude. seems like he's going to bring a lot to the dressing room. It gives us that bit of um, physicality up front. Do I? I do like a
0: good Scottish shithouser, so that's always a plus. You need one, like
1: (laughs) big Scottish shithouser, like Ross. It's a championship.
0: You always need one.
1: So I think he's going to give us some different up front. Do I think he's going to be our first choice striker for the rest of the season? Maybe not,
2: but um, hopefully that person's still to come. Running out of signings for that person to be the person. (laughs) But on the upside, I mean, look, yeah, it's been commented. It's hardly a novel uh, observation, but he definitely seems to be the type of player that Monk wants in and around his squad, right? He wants. He's only twenty-five,
0: you know, too. We're not buying. I was like, going to say. These, I was going to point out his age. You like, know, he's
2: kind of yeah. he's he's young with career ahead of him. He's got points to prove, but he's got enough pedigree and enough experience to, you know, to have demonstrated he can absolutely cut it at the championship. He's played in the Premier League, you know, so he's. Um, he comes with you know enough proven ability that we're not taking a complete punt, um, but his attitude I think is a big factor. Um, you know, obviously, Paddy, you just pointed out, you know, he's quite a character. We've seen that in his introductory videos with that weird TikTok dance he's uh, he's doing. But look, I mean, he's. Clearly, Gary Monk trying to build something of a different culture. We've talked about that in the last few weeks. Having those type of players in and around the squad clearly is part of the ethos of what he's trying to develop, so I understand that. And then this one final thing, which is this really interesting point about the fact that we're not signing a classical number 9, number 10. Maybe that's a clue to the type of football that Monk wants to play. I mean, increasingly, when you look at the combination, the interchangeability of a Kachunga, a Windass, a Patterson, it, it suggests we're looking to play the ball on fast rotation and actually play through not play to a target and that that's difficult to achieve but if if that's the style of football that we're going to try and get to once we link the midfield and attack then you know that could be quite exciting too so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out
0: i think some of that too is a function of just the the actual price for a proven championship striker at this point is to be a hell of a lot more than five hundred thousand dollars and i don't know if we're playing in that market anymore definitely on <laughs> <laughs> but you're not even spending like you know two and a half mil like they, they've they done a lot of good business in the chancery era in that like one to two million dollar range of players like forestieri and you guys that were like at the time like expensive ish by championship standards but i think the price at this point have gotten out of control to the point where like you know, not that you even find that kind of player, but if you're going to go down to League One and buy someone that bagged twenty goals a year, it might cost you five, six, seven million pounds.
2: Yeah, I mean the the big difference, I think, if I look at the way the Wednesday seem to be approaching signings at the moment, is they're looking for very low upfronts, but it doesn't mean that we're shirking from paying a you know an okay wage, not necessarily the type of wages that we were playing to um, Stephen Fletcher. And forest area in the last few years. But, you know, my guess is that. Who was that left back that never
0: on... played and said he was on the most money out of uh, yeah, all of them.
2: Yeah, there you go, Irby Emanuelson. Um, yeah. Uh. <laughs> but the, the, the point being, you know, the cost of his contract, let's say he's on a two, three year contract on 20, 20K a week, you know, mm-hmm. that's not insignificant on our run rate, especially not in an environment where we have negligible revenues coming in. So I understand the kind of conservative nature of things without a significant sale fueling the ability to to pay the upfronts um and so they are bugging shopping um at which point you've got to put your faith in the uh in the scouting team and to be fair you look at the signings we brought in you know the likes of Nizzy brown we've all been you know really impressed with so you've got to hope that they keep on finding these players that fit to a system that delivers something that we don't have and um you know it's going to take a few games for them to bet in as a whole, our transfer policies, we've got
1: a lot better in the last year. So I mean, look at Luongo, I offer, um, We've got Harris, obviously. They're all in that. Don't forget Fizz. Age range, Fizz. He's a bit more of a prospect, but I mean, the ones that we've been signing are kind of like established first-teamers that we've been getting on the cheap, and Patterson exactly in that range too. So uh, hopefully, by low and they come on. And maybe Ioffe's already got interest from Premier League teams and Watford apparently. So. We might become a selling club. I mean, Patterson played
0: 27 games for Cardiff in the Premier League. He did not exactly bang them in, but that's you know valuable experience for someone that's turned 26 for a couple more weeks.
1: Why not rated him? I think why gave him like a four year contract on um, the Premier League. So he saw something him. Yeah.
0: Another potential 26 year old striker. Once they continue to stay in negotiations with West Bromwich Albion over Kenneth Zahore. I guess there's nothing news on this. They're trying to work out like terms and wages and transfer fees and whatnot.
1: Yeah, Nixon put a a tweet out into, I think, yesterday uh, of the Sun saying that apparently we've offered 25K, which it does (laughs) seem a lot. It does seem a lot. And uh, West Brom want us to pay more. Uh, Whether I think we will go more than that for a loan seems debatable so i think that that interest might be cooling off a little bit now but i mean it shows that we're still after another striker which i think is is positive still
0: as i said at the outset we are moving into october and as i finish the last of my october fest we're going to talk about the september player of the month for wednesday because we're a little uh, short on content this week We're going to try <laughs> to pad this out to 45 minutes for you the loyal listener Five matches in the books, a fair amount of squad rotation. Patty, who is your September player of the month?
1: I've oh, about this for a while. And I think up until um <laughs> up until uh, surprisingly, isn't it? Uh up until uh, the other day, the, the uh Bristol game, I would have considered Tom Lees in in my uh player of the month. Uh, unfortunately um he had a bad half and that's i'm not, I'm not saying discounts his good work for the rest of the month however i do think that someone that's been more consistent is luongo uh, and i think he's got better and better with every game so he gets my vote uh i've loved watching him play this the past month i think if he can stay fit he'll be one of the best players uh, for us the entire season james
2: um you know up until the second half of the uh of the Bristol City game i was thinking you know what jos van aiken has really proven himself he's proven all the doubters wrong hasn't he you know that guy who couldn't tie his own bootlaces has actually played a few halves of reasonable football and then he reminded us of the fact that we shipped him off to holland in the hope that he would never come home um until lockdown allowed him back into the country um no it's not jos van aiken i i actually think your josh Windas has been pretty consistent um, you know he scored some important goals he's shown a really really high work rate um, since he's come back into the club um, and I think his his overall attitude and link play has been impressive um, I'd completely back Paddy on Luongo I think Luongo has been probably the most consistent player in the team this season um, and you know Izzy Bowen is just a, a class above the rest of uh, of the squad at the moment in terms of technique and, uh, and ability although maybe you know we haven't yet seen the Maybe the you know the volume of assists or even a couple of goals from him to to really kind of justify player of the month territory. So yeah, I mean the, primarily it's the it's the attacking midfielders that are uh, up to the fore, right? Whether they're actually playing in midfield or playing into playing in attack.
0: Yeah, I uh, it's been a weird month just because of the rotation through with all the cup games, and I'd like to put Izzy Brown here, but I still don't think he's like kind of really hitting the ground at like 100 percent yet you haven't kind of seen the full range of what he offers you've had guys look good in fits and starts like basayo bashiru, you know matt penny have been like good for a game here and there i i think this is a absolutely like boring cop-out choice but i look at our defensive record look at the improvements he's made at commanding his area i think i'm probably voting for cameron dawson
1: wow that's a boring that's, that's controversial i would say really you think so yeah i think so i think it's, it's still the Jewish style for a lot of wednesday guys. i'm not one of those wednesday guys i think he's actually had a, a very good start to the season yeah um but yeah i wouldn't say it's a boring choice i think that's quite a, a brave choice jeff <laughs> I look forward to your Twitter replies tomorrow. Uh,
0: I thought he's been good. I, I always thought the biggest weakness with him was not sort of commanding his area. And I thought he's been sort of a little more shouty and a little better on crosses. And he's still obviously a very good shot stopper. I don't think you really fault him for either of the goals in the Bristol City game. It ended up basically being functionally tapped into through the back line. so. I think I, I'll throw is a shout out for Iorfa here too. I think he's sort of been the best of the, the
2: defenders. Iorfa's just being quietly effective, hasn't he? He's not yeah. probably done anything sensational, but he's uh, he's absolutely done his job. And and frankly, that's why the interest is there because he's proving himself to be a extremely consistent and extremely effective championship level centre back, top end championship level centre back, probably. So no surprise that there's um, there's people sniffing around. Um, so let's talk about that then.
0: Would. You know, under what circumstances would you consider selling our at this point? You know, finances being what they be, sort of taking them out of the equation.
2: I but don't think, can't we, I don't think we
0: have to sell him, for example.
2: Well, I, I I actually think for the right bid, any player has to be sold. Sure. So I don't, don't saying think it's not a... like we
0: need to move him out to clear some FFP. No,
2: hurdle. no, no. no. offer is a player you want to keep in your squad if you can. Yeah. But if somebody comes along and says, you know what, I'm going to pay you. North of eight million pounds for a high-caliber player in your squad. Wednesday should be taking those offers because we, you know, we we need to kind of build ourselves back in a way that gives us options. And with all due respect to Dominic Ielva, he's a fantastic Championship loss centre back. He's probably better than our backup players, but we probably can get by if we sell him with the range and limitations of what this season needs to be which is just scrapping in and staying in the championship you know we're not competing for promotion to the premier league this season contrasting what could we do with 10 million pounds well in a second we're going to talk about what qpr have been able to do with you know 19 20 million pounds that they've uh they've raked in from their sales and that's the optionality it gives you so yeah i mean i i don't want him to go in any way shape or form but for the right bid anyone can go
1: Paddy, i would I'd almost agree with uh, James. Although I would say ten mil is the minimum <laughs> for the I set th- for I offer. I think that's a good going rate. he's what like twenty five, twenty six? Yeah. So I think the
0: the issue here is I suspect those. If he's turning into the player that we think he is, and I think we think that we think he is, he's a kind of player that can keep you up this season. They can just marshal games from the back, grind out enough points, see out enough games. Like, he's an integral part of that. And then you can move him on in the summer. I just wonder if he's like, there is center back depth there, but, you know, if you put Liam Shaw or Julian Burner in that spot, is it really going to work quite as well? Or are they going to start chipping goals? Because Iorfa is a covering center back. As I think we saw, especially in the first half of the Bristol City game, incredibly valuable.
1: Like also if somebody get gets fast. beat, yeah. If
0: somebody gets beat, the, the the amount of ground he can get beat over the top and still beat his man back to the ball.
1: I think it was Bristol, which uh, commented in the WhatsApp group where he gave someone like a five-yard head start <laughs> yeah. and did like four four strides, and he'd already made up that that, that cover. It was, it was unbelievable uh, acceleration. And I mean, yeah, realistically, three, if he no no all
0: if Fulham which seems to want to fire their entire back line comes in for a you know 10-12 million pound bid yeah I mean I think James has a good point that you we have to think more like a you know a Brentford style club at this point where we put a value on a player and if a team meets that value we send them on especially in a season where we're not pushing for promotion
1: if Tony Khan wants to give us 8 million Michael Hector I'll take it <laughs>
0: We will uh, we'll keep it with Patty for some dispatches from American soccer. Uh, Patty Red Bull seems like they're getting a new manager, and he might be familiar to our listener base.
1: It's really weird listening to the uh, the commentary on Sunday and halfway through there's an interview with uh, Gerhard Struber because uh, we listened to radio Sheffield, obviously and we all Wednesday fans want to hear an interview with the band, the coacher. fine. <laughs> um, but actually, for me, it was really interesting because it was talking about the interest that uh, Red Bulls have had in hiring him and he was squirming it was a real kind of like awkward interview because the the journalist that it wasn't exactly
0: steve bruce saying he's not going anywhere
1: <laughs> oh brucey did it perfectly he he he, he won me over brucey with the, his uh, defiance but this was not a convincing performance from struber he was just saying uh, uh yes i am the boss here now <laughs> like what about in the future oh well i can't comment on that <laughs> so it almost pretty much confirmed to himself that uh he would be leaving Barnsley soon um, to go to Red Bulls and from a Red Bulls point of view I'm very happy with that because I, I like what he's done with Barnsley he seems to have got a, a good kind of like work ethic he's obviously got the Red Bull uh, heritage which seems to be a, a kind of uh, big tick, tick in the box for anyone that works at Red Bulls So he was at the Salzburg um, team and uh, it feels like they want to bring him through the system and and hopefully uh, start, start really with the Red Bulls properly in new york and boy do we need a good coach right now so yeah all positive and uh we get to screw a bouncy at the same time so i'm all happy for that too
0: we'll now move on to dispatches from cypriot soccer <laughs>
1: no this <is> a regular <laughs> occurrence it will be as long as
0: eddie new is banging him in in the Europa league patty
1: he did i guess score that, um i guess help. that barokov didn't score this week he didn't why. score this week no i checked <laughs> okay good <laughs>
0: And uh, Applewell moves on to look. I don't know how Europa League qualifying works. I'm just going to say the next round where they will face uh, FC Sloban Liberic from the Czech League. So James, I have a question for you.
2: Oh, you the Czech League. I'm like, <laughs> not about the <laughs> Czech League now. Uh, brush up on them, Jeff. Uh,
0: more surprising Wednesday-related occurrence. New Hughes scoring in European football, or Michel Antonio getting an England call-up.
2: Well, they're both kind of they're things that have happened before, aren't they? I mean, addie has been scoring in international football, let alone European football, mm-hmm. and uh, Antonio's been knocking around for England for a little while. Um, this is just the gift that Wednesday keeps <laughs> on giving, right? You know, we um, we, we do get a sell-on
0: on- fee, I think, from Forest to West Ham, at least. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we didn't get one of those for Eric Cantona, did we? Um, (laughs) There was a funny story this week where I think we've released a couple of under twenty three trialists who uh, did okay, but didn't do okay enough to get re signed. And somebody pointed out that they're going to crop up now, you know, playing for Leeds in the Premier League or something.
0: We like shipped out our entire youth squad. I I feel like if like ex Premier League youth players played okay for under twenty three team, we should just keep them around. But I don't know. I'm not a scout. I mean, I am. I am mean, not, but not for soccer, certainly.
2: <laughs> You're literally a scout. <laughs> <laughs> when Addy Nuhu starts knocking in big scores in Major League Baseball, Jeff, yeah. then we'll all sit up and take notice.
1: <laughs> he's got the gait of a pitcher, hasn't he, Addy? He can get some power behind that.
0: He's very, uh, I mean, he's like tall. He's 6'6", got long levers, big plane. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> we'll now move on to the qpr game at the weekend uh i feel like we've done i feel like you've slagged off the queen's park rangers area before james but do you have anything else to
2: add i've think i actually been too mean to the uh the (laughs) queen's park i don't even know what you call that area it's like basically kind of shepherd's bush Bush, w1a right it's where bbc tv center used to be um it's there's, not, there's nothing nasty to say about it. They've got a big shopping mall. No one should be going there, but apparently it's, people are.
0: It's not called you Loftus know, Road anymore, which is disappointing.
2: knows what you meant to do, right? Yeah. Oh, we're not talking about that, right? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I switched into, uh, into the wrong uh, national informational broadcast. Um, don't talk about pandemic. I was talking about the BBC. Oh, no, we can't talk about the BBC either, <laughs> right? Because there are a bunch of lefties. Um, anyway, moving on, QPR, uh, um, not having the best of times, I don't think. I mean, they had a pretty miserable to all right season last season. Um they've had a fairly mediocre start as well. So they're an interesting club. You know, they've they've got options and money, but they don't seem to have direction and, you know, a convincing squad or at least a convincing playing style yet. So I'm really intrigued to kind of hear a little bit more about what their fan base is thinking going into this one. Because on paper, at least based on the team that we faced a few months ago down at Loftus Road, um it's a game that Wednesday ought to be seeing as a, as a winnable match.
1: Well, James, I can tell you what one of their fan bases is thinking. Thank you for that fantastic segment segue there. Um, so we tried to get Dunstan back on the podcast tonight, who you may remember from last season. Uh, sadly, he turned us down to go for a date with his wife, which uh, seems really poor form, if you ask me. But he did send me a nice little text, which says, it's hard to know what QPI will turn up on Saturday. If it's anything like the Coventry away game, then Wednesday will cruise it because they lost 3-2. If it's anything like our first game, then I'd feel pretty confident of at least a draw. And that's when they beat Forrest 2-0. Uh, bowl prediction. QPI will concede at least one set piece as we are still all over the place at the back. Lyndon Dykes, who's their new striker. Have uh, they
0: seen up. Wednesday take set pieces? <laughs>
1: Obviously not. <laughs> they signed uh, Lyndon Dykes uh, from Livingston uh, for a few million, I believe. Uh, and he it says it'll give our centre-backs a bit of a bruising. Uh, but he's not getting much support at the moment up top. So they remain light on goals. QPR's fate will rest, rest on the shoulders of Chair. I assume that's a, a guy's name. And <laughs> <laughs> Bright, i say. Is Samuel. he Brazilian?
0: Is it just like one name?
1: <laughs> Cherini, or maybe. Uh, no, I, I think I remember QPR in quite a f- lot of funny last names in there. Oh, yeah,
0: squad. no, it's literally. Uh, looks like it's like Elias Chair. He's Moroccan.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so the guy got Bright, uh... Samuel, who's replacing Eze. Uh, he genuinely thinks that they're going to lose to us 3-1. Um, so that's the view from Loftus Road uh, via QQPR NYC. Um, so thanks, Dunstan, for that. I, I, my point of view is, yes, it's, it's definitely a winnable game. Um, I feel like we stick to our plan. We maybe give Patterson a little bit of a run out uh, and see what it can do. It's, it sounds like a lot of teams, like the Bristol, uh, Bristol Dan last week, feel like a lot of teams have started to play the same way that we're starting to play the so kind of like high press three at the back uh qpr seem to be playing something similar too so it's certainly catching on i think the trickle down formations from the premier league are happening to the championship now so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it turns out but hopefully we can uh i think we can sneak this one
0: i should add to it uh they didn't just like i'm not reading this on wikipedia they didn't just like sell the loftus road naming rights they actually gifted the naming rights to the & Prince Foundation which is a local charity set up by the father of a player uh youth player for QPR that was stabbed in 2006 so that's actually quite lovely
2: yeah that's one thing we don't talk about a lot with uh, with QPR they have a really really strong affinity with their community you know contrasting to a lot of london teams that have moved around built new stadiums not necessarily kind of you know stayed true to their roots QPR absolutely do um and i think that that's probably a nice example of that so yeah one um one little positive fill-up for them i'm on a roll today what's going on (laughs) i don't know where my negativity has gone to
1: oh we should get kids
2: back in school (laughs) we should get out of here before
0: uh anything like james starts like breaking into song or something (laughs) patty do we have any other business
1: Uh, Very quiet on the other business front. Um, We do have a New York Bryant Park meetup this Saturday at 10 a.m. Again, before uh, it gets too cold to stay outside in a park with a laptop. Um, The good news, maybe good news, uh, is that the Football Factory has reopened this week um, with social distancing at 25% capacity. So we're going to give it a few more weeks, I believe, before you venture
2: down to the dark basement uh, and see what the data comes back with. But we'll see about that one. Yeah, Paddy. I, I think when you say weeks, you actually mean probably another six to nine months, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> some people all, are comfortable. Of them. all the places where indoor dining may be a, a good place to start, the basement of the football factory <laughs> with its questionable air conditioning definitely doesn't remove foul smells. Mm-hmm. Is um, is going to be an interesting one. So um, I think we're all willing, uh, Jack, to uh, to have a successful reopening and, and also that he may find some extension to the premises.
0: Uh, just secondly, saying, sorry, go on. i just know that i trust implicitly that the entire uh new york city whites leads group has been maintaining their social distancing <laughs> <laughs> and uh God, yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: come to think of it
0: quarantining when the contact tracers call yeah i'm sure it's fine <laughs> you
1: know it's always best to stay out of that bar when they're in it anyway so yeah, uh, that's not true fair that enough
0: way. that's just yeah
1: much more safer way to meet up is the Owls Americas virtual meetup, which will be uh, on Zoom at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. on I say we put that on Facebook, on our Facebook forum. So join us on Facebook for that.
0: You will see the episode 107 of the Owls Americas. Currently looking for season sponsors, and you can get in touch at owlsamericas.com or owlsamericas at gmail.com. You can also find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls America America, we ask you rate and review the show. This helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. James, for the love of God, can you say something negative before we sign off?
2: um jeff seriously yesterday my children went to school i went to the office you know life felt almost a little bit like normal but then i saw the positivity rate <laughs> increasing in new york city and i sat through the fucking presidential debacle not debate debacle so um yeah there's something negative we have an absolute free oh sorry i'm not I'm meant to get political am I? patty Very
0: is on crazy. twitter at new york Owls, and at patty a jones patty can you please for the love of God, before we sign off, promise to get some low calorie beer for next week.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I've ordered, I've ordered some kind of weird uh hop water tea brew <laughs> thing, which has got zero alcohol in it. But it looks like a beer and tastes like a beer. Probably. This but isn't I'll... Evans tea, is it? No, I it's, oh, it's Hop Lark, I think it's called. But I will come on to next week's show with it and I will give you a, a live review like you did with that fancy whiskey last week.
0: That's I'm on Twitter at Jeff Pedernostro. <laughs> And you can count on one thing, I will not be drinking that whiskey on this podcast again. But regardless, we'll see you back here next week.